Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. The award-winning Crunch Time. Kicks the Tigers inside 50. Bolton and Revolt both clue the pack. Edwards underneath, trickles it home. Uh, the former Tiger off to Savage. He can be a devastating kick. This would have to go 60. It's gone 65. Going back, Patton was met very hard. Bolton working away underneath, tied himself in knots. Gets the kick away now to the teeth of goal. Oh, they've all let it go past. And it ran on for a goal. Asprey, Hawley and Bolter combined to bring it forward. Nankervis was the target. Spoil was made. Bolton threatens again underneath. Got it to the boot and fashioned his second. What an instinctive player he is. Marshall taps it to his own advantage. Confronted by Bolton. Ball jarred out of his hand. Edwards on the fly. Oh, that's the most beautiful snap from the boundary. Lynch won the ball. Gave it to Dusty. And that might just about be it. Dusty finds another wonderful way to kick a goal. So the clock counts down. The Saints have had a terrific year, but it's ended now. Richmond weren't perfect, but they weren't that far from it. They made another statement, and Port Adelaide awaits in the preliminary final, and we can't wait for that. I thought overall our performance was, was pretty solid. We can certainly play a little bit better. I thought offensively we were a bit scratchy tonight. Gave the ball back a little bit too much in certain situations, so we'll look at that and, and try and improve that next week against a very good Port Adelaide. The Tigers bite back to continue their quest for the Dynasty Premiership and their presence in the Final Four will have all on high alert. We'll debate all the contentious moments from the AFL's first final on the Gold Coast. We'll all be a bit on edge. Not many teams have had the chances consistently as we have and we consider it a privilege. I think Doc Rivers said that pressure is a privilege. Um, We all feel it and we handle it in different ways. We'll be up and about. We know that Geelong are, are the, the best contested ball side consistently throughout the home and away. They're as strong in the contest as, as any team that we're, we're going to face. Uh, that's where the major challenge will lie for us. If you're not prepared to get your hands dirty and get your nose in the trough, you, you're not going to be able to compete. Geelong's moment of truth comes tonight in a semi-final against Collingwoods. Can the Cats steal themselves and prove their worth, or will it be a fateful straight sets exit? One thing that Ben knows, and I know, and, and, and many of us that have been involved in premiership teams, you need everyone buying into a, a team-first approach, and that's what we're working towards. And if that ruffles a few feathers or upsets anyone along the way, then so be it. Paul Brash at the top, he needs to uh, investigate you know, what actually is going on and, uh, and get it right pretty quick. It's uh, pretty despondent if you're a member and a supporter of a, you know, what has been a great club. This is purely uh, a culture issue of players not being happy, not being content, not sure the direction of the club. So for such a proud, proud club, this is one of the saddest days, I think, that's um, 
I've ever been involved with. And the strife at Essendon. How deep does the unrest go as two star players declare their intentions to leave and the Bombers unwantedly become the centrepiece of the trade period? This is Crunch Time. It unfolded as was widely forecast last night. Richmond by 31 points over St Kilda. There is many a thread to pull in the aftermath and between these semi-finals. Crunch time is for Cleanaway, Stockdale and Lego and McDonald's. The Monopoly game at Maccas is back. Kane Lambert's going to join us in about five minutes' time. Jared Waitley with you. Kane Corns is with me. Hello, Kane. Uh, good morning to you, Jared. Yeah, we uh, well, it was not unexpected, was it, last night? But it didn't quite have the same finals feel that the first week of the finals had last night. But looking forward to dissecting that this morning. Were Richmond enough in your eyes? That was the real question: is have they set themselves up for the hard road which runs through Adelaide? They did. They did enough, didn't they? But it had a bit of a the first sort of ten minutes had a bit of a pre-season practice game feel about it. It didn't. It didn't have a finals feel about. It. I didn't think St Kilda challenged them at all. Like they laid thirty-eight tackles for the game. If you're going to take Richmond on, you've got to take them on physically. And they've had discipline issues this year. They don't like to be challenged. And St Kilda gave them exactly what they wanted. So I was really, whilst I've you know been so impressed by what the Saints have done this year in the physical stakes last night, I was I was really disappointed. Now, Port Adelaide laid 69 tackles against Geelong last week. You know, factor that in. That's 31 more than St Kilda laid last night. So Richmond are going to walk into a bigger storm next week. They know that, but uh, Port Adelaide are going to challenge them in ways that St Kilda weren't able to last night. Sam Edmund, welcome to you. G'day, Jared. Hello, Volcano. Good to be with you both. I don't know. The more things change, guys, the more they stay the same. There was a few familiar sights last night. I mean, one side took their opportunity. The other one didn't. Guess who advances? Tom Lynch is a match review ticking time bomb. I know we'll get to him in a moment. And we just hold our breath, don't we, that the arc doesn't cark it right when the stakes are at their absolute <laughs> highest later this month. There's some good talking points in there. Let's do Lynch first without meaning to live down to what Damien Hardwick says. If his player didn't do it, it wouldn't be a discussion point. It is minor. It is trifling. It's not a classifiable offence. And the last time the AFL, well, they embarrassed their own system when they tried to run the accumulation of events against Tom Lynch. How, How does this land in your eyes, Sam? I think it's a misconduct fine, Jared, um, of which he's already copped this year, of course, for that, what do you want to call it, uh, head shove to Brisbane's Alex Witherden earlier in the season. There's a lack of force here um, when it comes to that knee to Dougal Howard's neck, shoulder region, if you like. It won't be a reportable offence. But given the amount of times he's now been cited this year, Jared, um, a, a lot of them, all of but one resulting in fines and that farcical situation you referred to where he's referred to the tribunal for that uh, incident with Michael Hurley. But he continues to play with fire and it's another one for the quote-unquote bad look file. Kane, how do you see it? A little bit the same. I, I don't... You know, it's not a reportable offence. There's, there's no way that he'll miss the game for that. But they're becoming very unlikable. I'll say that about Richmond, and, and they don't, they wouldn't care about that because you know that all they care about is is winning, and you know they have the respect clearly. But this year they have become a very unlikable team. And I thought uh, what Trent Cochin did to Jones, that really dangerous sort of high slinging tackle, was 
had more um, chance to cause injury than what Tom Lynch did with that knee on the shoulder of Howard. So that's the other one that I'd be looking at as well. Whilst all the focus has been on Tom Lynch, I thought that was a pretty ugly tackle that Trent Cochin laid. And, and for the second week in a row, he's almost coat-hanged an opponent. So, yeah, they've been a, been a really unlockable team this year. It's been hard to watch at times. They're an interesting case study, Kane, because they weren't like that in 2017. I think they carried most, most of the sentiments of the football world. And then last year, I thought we probably all just reveled in the standard of footy, footy that they rolled out. Is They've decided to coin the phrase, the best teams play on the edge. They weren't like this. Mm. They didn't play like this in 17 or 19, to my eye. No, and I guess when teams come after you, and that's what everyone does when they take on Richmond, you do get a bit of that. And, oh, we come for us, we'll come back at you. So there's a bit of, bit of push and shove there. So it, it works both ways, but just so many incidents this year. And when I say unlikable, I, I reference, you know, staging for free kicks. I thought Vlosten had one early last night where he tried to stage for a free kick and he fell over on his back and then the um, the arc that we'll get to in a moment, um, and then there's you know the incidents that keep popping up on and off the field. They're just, they're, as I said, they've been hard to watch. Now they don't care. I'd like to be involved in the in the Richmond team. It's almost like you, it's us against the world. And if you if you win a third premiership, like they won't care at all. But from a neutral supporter's point of view, some of their actions this year, as you're sort of alluding to, have been a bit perplexing. They, there was a, a list of a lot of good last night. Dustin Martin in the midfield, Edwards and Hawley knocking up, getting the ball. Lynch was a commanding presence. He had eight shots at goal. He's only mm. kicked two goals, but the game really ran through him. Two goals, five and, and one out of bounds. And then Noah Bolter late seemed to unlock a real possibility of a, a marauding tall as the second ruckman rather than perhaps Asprey in that role. As, so it might have been the, the most compelling, complete performance, but I thought in the list of gains is there were an awful lot of ticks. No, yeah, there were. And the, the centre bounce work as well was, was significant despite, I think they lost the hit outs, but 15 to 5 out of the centre bounce. So that, that was significant, I thought. And they got really good opportunities and scoring opportunities out of the centre bounce. So it's an area Port Adelaide have been really strong at. Oh, it's just going to be, and it's a bit early to look into the matchup, but fascinating because both teams want to play the same way. Port Adelaide want to win centre bounce clearances, get it inside their forward 50 and lock it in there and time in forward half and get those repeat entries. Richmond want to do exactly the same. So the midfield battle is going to be fascinating. Damien Hardwick referenced, do they go with two rucks next week? Because there'll be Lysett and Laddams. But these are two teams that basically Port Adelaide have, have somewhat copied what Richmond have done, which is what happens in the AFL. But they're both trying to play the same way. Um, and it's going, to be, it's going to be on next week. And Port Adelaide are going to present a much fiercer challenge than what the timid St Kilda side did last night. Port Adelaide are the toughest team physically in it. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be a real physical encounter. So that's it's going to be mouth watering. It's not time to tip, but it is. You have to measure up who runs favourite. Who runs yeah. favourite in your eye, Kane? It's such an interesting matchup. It, it, it really is because last time Port Adelaide played them in round eleven, the Tigers didn't have Hooley, Edwards, and Prestia. Now there's three eighty best ten. So and they didn't lose by a great margin. No, statistically, Port Adelaide dominated that game. I think Port Adelaide start favourites because it's going to be in front of 27,000 at Adelaide Oval. They've had the week's rest um, and they're primed, but it's it's as close to 50-50 as it gets, isn't it? Maybe Port Adelaide with that slight edge for the week off and the home ground advantage. It's so mouth-watering. Kane mm. Lambert is with us uh, from the Tigers. Kane, congratulations and welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on the call. 
we were just making a list, Kane, of the things that, that were right about Richmond last night. Is what sort of most struck you in what you were able to, I don't know whether the word is rectify, or what you're able to impose from the first week of the finals to the second? Yeah, well, we um, you know, we didn't feel like we did a, uh, did a lot wrong against Brisbane. They're, they're a quality side. Uh, we obviously had moments that uh, let ourselves down with some undisciplined acts, but um, you know, it was about getting back to our system, playing to our strengths, and you know, St Kilda are a quality side. They've uh, had a great year, so um, you know, mainly it was about just getting back to, to what we can control, and you know, we felt like we did that for the, for the majority of the game. What was the week like in the aftermath, Kane? So you've lived three years running, taking the, the shortcut to the preliminary final, and this time it's the hard road, it's the longer road. Is, did you talk about it? Did you think about it? How did it unfold? Yeah, we discussed it a little bit. We probably felt like uh, being up here in the hub that you know it, it could work out as a positive for us, um, you know, because we got a lot of downtime up here when when there's no games on and there's um, not a lot to do. So we could just get back on the horse, review our game, get stuck into training, and and have another crack at it. So um, yeah, it's become the become the way for us. So uh, it's a different challenge, but one we're one we're looking forward to. Kane, I just said uh, at times you've been unlikable this year, the Tigers, and Damien Harbour has referenced unsociable footy. How does that sit with you? Do you care, or does all you care about winning? Oh, I think what we care about is what uh, Dimmer says about us, and he wants us to play hard, tough, aggressive football. Um, you know, sometimes that may may cross the line, but we don't go out there with intentions to to be unsociable. It's just uh, you know, it's just a part of our DNA. And just looking at um, the midfield numbers last night, 15-5 to 5 in the centre bounds, how big a focus was that up against St Kilda, who have been really strong in that area with Ryder and Marshall throughout the year? Yeah, they've, they've been really good at that. And it, it's probably been an area of our game that um, has needed improvement, our ability to, one, win clearance, but also capitalise on that, which, which we felt we did. I think we got great results from, from centre bounds. So uh, that was a great result. I thought um, Toby was fantastic in Iraq. Uh, with the addition of you know, Edwards and, and Presteri, who are starting to string a few games together. Um, yeah, so that was a real positive coming out of our game. It's going to be a big one against Boyer Lake coming up too. Mm. Kane, Sam Edmund here. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. A lot was said during the week, obviously, about you know ill-discipline and 50-metre penalties in the wake of the Brisbane Lions qualifying final. Were the players bracing themselves to be perhaps prodded and provoked and antagonised by the Saints. From the outside looking in, that didn't appear to happen. But were you ready for it? Yeah, it was something we discussed, and it, you know, it's not something that we want to be we want to be doing each week. We, um, you know, we probably accepted the fact that Brisbane got under our skin, and, and it was credit to them for finding a way to do that. But um, you know, the positive thing it's a it's a controllable thing for us. So you know, it was something that we did discuss. And you know, there's going to be times where you know the opposition do get stuck in here, but. You know, as I said, I think it's something we can control and uh, you know, I think we got a better result from that this week. You've had a really good view and witnessed this guy's emergence over the course of his young career. Someone like Shea Bolton, I mean, we're witnessing a genuine star on the rise here. What, what can you tell us about this guy that we don't know? Yeah, well, he was electrifying last night, wasn't he? he um, you know, he's carried a pretty heavy burden this year. He played a, a lot of midfield time for for a young guy, but you know, we've seen his growth. He can go forward. I think he becomes a really, really tough matchup when he goes forward because he's he's got a, a phenomenal leap on him. But then when it hits the ground, he's just got ability to change direction. So he's going to be a real weapon for us going forward. We can uh, put him in the midfield to to give us a spark. But uh, going forward, he's a really tough matchup. So 
he's been building for a number of years now. So you know the players like um, you know Noah Bolton and um, Shay Bolton give our give our fans a lot of a lot of hope for our growth. You know going forward. So Shay's going to play a big part coming uh, next week. And what do you say about someone like Shane Edwards, Kane, who has missed obviously so much football, and he's come back, and within a fortnight, he it looks like he hasn't missed any at all. And I mean, a lot of that training he would have had to do by himself, obviously back here in Victoria. I mean, it's been a remarkable resurgence, if I can call it that, from Shane Edwards. Yeah, it has been. I think there's some great photos of um, you know Shane and Hanbury and Ablett all sort of trained together, which which was really really nice to see, but. You know, I don't think Shane Edwards gets enough credit outside the footy club for what he's able to do. And, you know, a lot of what Shane does um, doesn't necessarily get uh, put down on the statistics sheets, but the way he, he strengthens our system, the way he links us up, uh, sets us up and, and makes the players around him better. I, mean, I think that's a real sign of a, a star of our game is who can make players around him better, and he does that. We all agree that um, on this panel anyway that Tom Lynch won't be suspended, Kane. But the last thing you need is him doing something silly again in a prelim. Who's who's the person, do you think, or who's his mentor that can pull him aside and have a chat and just say, mate, what, what is going on with these repeated brain fades? Oh, I'm, I'm not sure that, that conversation will happen. I think Tom's a, a mature guy and he, he reviews his game. Um, I'm sure Jack's, um, Jack's done a lot of work with him over the years. He's, he's growing in, in that regard and uh, yeah, we love Tom playing playing aggressive, and uh, yeah, I'm sure that we'll get a yeah we'll get a similar result from him next week when he's um, hopefully lined up for us, which I think will happen. And what about Nick Vloston, Kane? Obviously, a contentious arc moment there where he was adamant that the ball was touched, and replays and the quality of those replays, the jury's very much out on, but appeared to show a gap between fist and ball. Regardless, was much said of that in the wake of the game. He was adamant that he that he touched it, which was the umpire's call as well. Yeah, no. Nah, all, all we spoke about was he, he touched it. He was adamant that he did touch it. The umpire thought he touched it, and uh, yeah, the arc obviously didn't have enough conclusive evidence to, to overturn it. So, I think that's sort of where we where we left it. Mm. Kane, what are your what are your recollections of round eleven against Port? Uh, I I feel like it was the home and away match of the season. Yeah, well, it was a, it was a really really hot encounter. They were, um, yeah, as they are as they have been all year. They're, they're the benchmark of the competition there. Really, really good in the contest. They're a really strong clearance team, and and they're well balanced all over the, over the field. So, they're a tough matchup, and particularly at at Adelaide Oval. So, hopefully, with the addition of a you know a few key players that we were missing that that week can make a difference. But we know we we'll have to have to be at our absolute best to um, beat a red hot Port Adelaide Football Club. It'll be the most hostile environment of the season, I imagine, is you didn't play the Eagles in Perth, which has been the only correlation, and there were 10,000 there for that uh, round 11 game. So there'll either be three or four times as many people as that. Is what Will that be in this season? That will feel like that will be a slightly unusual experience. Yeah, I, I agree. I remember when, um, you know, only having 10,000 there, it sounded like there was 100,000 there. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a really, really good stadium to play football at. And the player laid fans are obviously very passionate too. So uh, it's a really exciting challenge. And, you know, we're going to go there with the intent to, to create an upset and hopefully progress. And you're about to enter your 15th week away from home. These are, these are epic odysseys, I think, for the Victorian teams. I'm full of admiration for all of you who are, who are doing it. How, does it feel like an eternity since you were last in Victoria? Oh, it does a little bit. I'm getting pretty used to the, the weather up here, but... Um, it's become a bit of a home away from home and, and we're sort of sitting around last night reflecting on 
you know, wh- where we've come from. And, you know, we're probably going to miss this place a little bit. It's a unique opportunity to uh, spend, you know, every day, all day with, with your teammates, albeit you probably get a little bit sick of a few of them at times. But, uh, no, it's been, a, it's been a really good journey and, and we're so grateful for the opportunity. And we know our friends and family are doing it tough back in Melbourne, so we send our regards there as well. Kane, terrific. Always great to have a chat. Well done last night and good luck for what's to come. I appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Kane Lambert from the Tigers joining us after their 31-point win over the Saints. Um, Shall we do... Shall we chat the arc? What a fascinating little case study this is. So if we take Nick Floston at his word that he did touch it, then, uh, then the arc operator absolutely got it right deferring to the umpire's call because the only available evidence suggested on the blurred footy that it did, there was that nightlight between the fist and the ball. I was ready to, um, yeah, just ask the question why Nick Vlostin would uh, shape that he touched it when from where I was sitting, a long way away in my lounge chair, Jared, it looked like there was a clear gap between ball and fist. So, all, all you can do is take Nick Boston's word for it and, and think that the it was an optical illusion that there was space between his fist and the ball from what we saw at home. Um, but, yeah, I was I was convinced that he didn't touch that ball when I was about to say, well, why, if you didn't touch it, would you shape that you did touch it to the umpire and wasn't great sportsmanship? But, as you say, we take Nick Boston at his word. He's adamant he touched it. The um, goal umpire was you know half a metre away, and he said that he touched it as well. And... Maybe they they got it right, but from where I was sitting, uh, it didn't look like it was touched to me. So the the goal umpire looked wretchedly unsure, which is to do him a disservice, apparently. Maybe it was just the way that he appeared in the moment. Um, and it does... So for me, one of the, one of the uh, challenges for sport is, it, and this is not um, just for footy, is what we use the technology as a two-dimensional representation of the three-dimensional world. And... We treat it as a truth when it's uh, when it's no such thing. And I take you back to the Bontempelli review, where one camera on one goalpost had all of the ball over all of the line, and the other camera on the other goalpost didn't. Uh, so it was pick your poison. So mm. there is a there is a bit of a cautionary tale in that for sport, as for all the world, the technology said that he missed it, and in reality, it appears that he didn't. I, I, the quality's just not great, though, Jared. I mean, I'm, I'm no IT whiz, but the frame rate just doesn't appear fast enough. You know, the, the gap in what, from one frame to another just seems too great. And uh, uh, when it actually happened, Nick Vlosten, uh, you could tell that he thought he'd touched it because it was almost lackadaisical when the ball bounced back into play in gathering it when players flew around him. So he's backed it up again this morning to Nick Vlosten on Twitter with an interesting exchange with uh, the chief football writer, the Herald Sun, Mark Robinson. Uh, he's adamant that he touched it. Maybe the frame rate, the vision isn't of a high enough quality for minuscule touches such as this. Yes, and, and Vlosten was the the case the previous week as well. The ball that he felt he'd touched that, that brushed the fingers on a kick, which you can never mm. take from the camera. So you can't have a frame rate on standard cameras more than that, as you can only have the super slow-mos and you mm. can't have the super slow-mos fixed on everything. So in the inherent risk in the system is right there. And my initial reaction was uh, was the same as everybody's. Well, if you're going to have the adjudication off the TV screen, as I'm not sure how much more you could get than was there last night, and yet the ARC operator didn't trust it, and it turns out he was right not to trust it, which puts an interesting overlay on the mm. next operator who has to make a decision in such a circumstance as to which the way they would go. 
Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we don't have it. I think I think we're better off for having it because I think more often than not they get it right, and there's you know the odd one that we get wrong. Uh, but yeah, it needs to be an increasing technology. We know that, but I'd much rather have it for prelim and grand final weekend than not. The the window, Jared, the howler window, if I can call it that, has shrunk for mine. Like yep. it used to be quite a, a big gap, didn't it? Well, that... it in, it invited and invented exactly. new howlers for a while. So, now it's almost a, a sliver of opportunity for Howlers to take place. And I reckon we got very close to it last night. And that's why I say off the top, because it's not a complete, it's not the safety net you want at the bottom of the building when you're falling is the arc. I mean, you just hold your breath that we don't get it into that absolutely awkward sweet spot on grand final day where a really contentious call is made arguably incorrectly. The, the quarter time issue, this is really interesting. So every goal is reviewed except a goal that's kicked on a siren is it though jared this is this is the question i mean we we get told that that the silent review takes place after every goal i don't know i think the jury's do they actually do that i mean there have been a few this year where you just shake your head at and last night we have another one i don't know what you think kane I, i just it's still frustrating that we can still have these issues well, it's so easy to go and review that one. It doesn't cost any time because you can do it as the, as the break's happening. It's either no score or it's a goal. And they do it in the NBA. They yeah. often go up and have a look at the shot clock. Now, it's a lot easier because you can actually see the time and the red light around the backboard that goes off as soon as the time expires. But why would you just not check that? Because it doesn't well, hold up anything. I think we have to change the well, convention I around think we have that to too. immediately. Yeah, I- I think they got it right, mind you. Yeah, they did. I think, I think it was the right call. But for, for the umpire not to have that option to go up and even while we're in an ad break, have a look at it and the players go off and have their huddle, it doesn't stop or hold anything. And then you just, it's either no score or it's a goal. So you think it was the right call, absolutely? Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. So I certainly, if, if you reviewed it, Sam, it had to come back that way. I wonder if I'm like many... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. People, I rewound it, counter back from the three seconds to go when it disappeared off the screen. Why it yep. does that, I'm not sure, but it appeared a second late for mine. How to judge the Saint season. We'll do that next on Crunch Time for Clean Away. Up your disposal efficiency with Clean Away. The Tigers booked their place in the final four with a win over St Kilda by 31 points on the Gold Coast last night. You're listening to Crunch Time for Clean Away, Stockdale and Lego and McDonald's. The Monopoly game at Maccas is back. Jared Waitley, Kane Corns and Sam Edmonds with you. We've spoken with Kane Lambert to get the view of the Tigers and there's a few matters pending of St Kilda. So Rose into the eight, won the elimination final, bowed out pretty well as expected. Nothing went right between finals and the chasm of the missing players was huge last night, Kane. Yeah, no, that that really hurt. I thought the the absence of Carlisle really hurt them as well. You know, it would have been nice to see him go to Lynch. He was causing Howard some trouble and then have Howard as that interceptor and and Ryder's been their biggest weapon all year and then and then Long's a part of their best 22 as well so they just didn't get enough out of some players last night and their midfield was exposed I thought we we mentioned that center bounce but Ross and Steele and Hanabry um, just didn't quite give enough grunt and then Hill on the outside could only manage 
uh, one of his quietest performances for the year. So, look, they're talking that they have room in the salary cap, and they should. They're they're on the right track. Uh, I think if there's you know an obvious free agent that they can go after or an obvious trade target to bolster that midfield area, um, then you know I'd certainly encourage them to do that. But they've been really watchable this year. I like their game plan. Brett uh, Brett Ratton's captivated us all, and they've got some really good young players and potential stars of the competition coming through um, in Hunter Clark and Caulfield and these types as well. Gresham, so they're in a good spot. It's an unmitigated success their season for certain as they grabbed hold of their own fate. They reshaped it in the trade period. They brought Brett Ratton in as the senior coach, bucking the recent trend, and he represents a a whole other class of coach, which we've spoken about throughout the season. The one kicker is probably, would would Brad Hill have been the highest price of the five that they brought in, Sam? I would have thought so, yeah, Mm. most certainly. It wasn't easy to get him out of Fremantle, and uh, he came at at a big cost. They drive a hard bargain, don't they, the big players, though, that we expect so much from them. But certainly compared to last season, he wasn't a patch on that. And I think when your coach is coming out publicly and saying that he wants his players to give Brad Hill the ball more, you know the club internally aren't happy with the output either. So there's probably a bit of work to do in that space, both for him and the team, to uh, to find that synergy. But I don't know. I, there's so much to like about the Saints, wasn't there? I mean, the hub has torn some clubs apart and brought others closer together. I mean, the Saints up there on their own in Noosa, they bonded so well. The players came to learn and appreciate what the staff did to keep the wheel turning, and they got to know each other when so many faces had, had come in. Uh, 14th to 6th, third youngest side on average across the season, more trade targets identified. Um, there's a lot to like there. I just think on Hill as well, I think he's the one player in the competition that's been most affected by the shortened court and shortened games. Like he, he is, he's the best and most powerful runner in the game. And, and some would say it's a minor thing, but you shorten the game by the amount that we shortened it this year. It takes away one of his biggest strengths. Like the 25-minute mark of a normal quarter onwards, Hill's good for four or five touches. And he's, he's a 10-possession last quarter player. So I just think... Um, we, we can we can judge him harshly and, and we can and we will because he is that high price recruit but I think once games go back to their full length he will be a much more effective player than what he has been this year well Jared we he might have to get used to it because we might not go back to full length if uh, oh, Gillian surely. McLaughlin's um, um, words are to be taken literally it might be 18 minute quarters not the 20 he'll still get more time is mm. he'll certainly get more time than this year I yeah I I accept that to a degree. I'd probably mm. want to be utterly convinced about that, but I don't mm. think he. I think he can be more committed to the task at hand than than he has looked at various stages. Sometimes yep. it's hard, um, and I think Hills at his best when he's when he's fed it and things are on his terms. Uh, you have to add a little bit more to your game if you're prepared to take the the check that he's taking. I think in hard circumstances, he needs to give them more. And they're entitled to actually demand that from him, I think. Mm, I think that's fair. They knew they knew what they were recruiting, recruiting yeah. as well. I mean, he's never been a big, tough inside midfielder, has he? They, they identified that speed on the outside. They identified the role on the wing after going after Andrew Gaff as well. So they knew what they were getting, but... I just think there is a a, sub, a subconscious level of security that kicks in when you get that big bumper long-term deal, um, and that happens across the board, and I'm, I'm convinced of that also. 
So we'll come to tonight. Richmond will fly to Adelaide for next Friday night's blockbuster preliminary final against Port. They'll pack their gear and their Samsonite business bags and head there. All business work from anywhere with a Samsonite business bag. Who will book the trip to face Saul? Who? It'll be a bus trip at that stage to face the Lions at the Gabba. What's in tonight, Kane, when you frame Geelong and Collingwood up? Oh, my goodness me. Um, well, it's just one of the biggest finals I can remember. Um, I'm so glad that we've got that matchup. I don't think it has the level of intrigue. If it was, you know, I thought West Coast would win. I don't think it quite has the level of intrigue that it does a Collingwood-Geelong game. Um, the byplay between the Guernseys, Eddie McGuire's been you know, hot on that. Collingwood feel really confident. You can tell by what they've been saying in the media. They're not done yet. And then you've got this Geelong side who are under the pump. And the coach, Chris Scott, is embracing that as he should. But I just think of the, the mental little man on the shoulder from the Cats. You know, Tom Hawkins is lining up from 35 metres out, slight angle for his first kick tonight. He's thinking about zero goal six last week. Guarantee you. Guarantee you what stages Ablett's thinking about. Is this my last game tonight? I mean, the, the sadness and the joy all in one wrapped up into the career of one of the greatest players I've ever seen. You know, the, the subplot to Dangerfield, the Geelong fans. It's, it's all, it's all, the narrative is all around Geelong losing, isn't it? The potential of them losing. Now, they may come out and and respond and, and play really well. And, and I think they'll win, but there's just little storylines everywhere. Couldn't be set up any be- couldn't be set up any better, Jared. I mean, Collingwood wasn't supposed to be here. And now, in the eyes of so many, they've got the edge. They're the favourite. I mean, they touched them up, obviously. Neutral territory, round seven. Dugowie ran amok. What do they do about him? And then the Cats are clearly worried about the run, aren't they? Both of Collingwood and internally. So Atkins, surprising for mine to get dropped. He plays finals football, as they say in the classics. And, and Simpson comes in for a bit of run and... As Kane alluded to, there's that uh, finals record that Chris Scott so despises any mention of, 4-12 and 12 since the 2011 flag. So how do you... What do you make of the strategy, Kane, in, in what Mission Impossible was that we disavow all knowledge of it <laughs> or, or confronting it? Is that, these, are the, these are the two choices. They're imprecise. You can only do what feels mm. right. To conquer it, do you have to confront it or are you better to to say, well, every incident's an isolated event? Well, I thought I, I would have gone the other way last week uh, and I would have faced the media after that Thursday night game against Port Adelaide and said, this is the facts. This is our record. Look, we've tried some things after the buy to work on it. We're clearly aware of it. It hasn't been good enough. And for whatever reason, some of our players haven't coped with the pressure of finals footy as good as they would have. But I'm extremely confident in the group to bounce back. Look, we're, we're up against the number one seed in Adelaide. We weren't favourites for this game. We'll bounce back hard. I would have confronted it and put it on the agenda last week. Now, he's sort of done that in a roundabout way this week. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know other than to say that I've been in this situation in, in the early 2000s where we were labelled as chokers. And it took, um, I think it took Damien Hardwick as a senior player to stand up in front of the group. We went out for dinner before the qualifying final against Geelong. And he just said, boys, we just, you just got to go. You just got to forget about it. When the footy's there, attack it as hard as you possibly can. And Byron Pickett kicked the first goal, and then we were sort of away. But that was confronting it, and we addressed it. And I think Geelong, hopefully they've done the same behind closed doors.
How much is loaded into the start? So in the qualifying final last year, Collingwood had finished fourth, Geelong had finished on top, the Magpies kicked the first three, and everyone on the outside sort of felt the same way. This had been Geelong's Achilles. They, they haven't been slow starters in finals since, but they had been up to that moment. And mm. it, it, it set an environment around the game as Collingwood led by 25 points, I think it was, at three-quarter time, and Geelong pegged them back but could never get close enough to adequately challenge. And I think it's going to be like I expect a real strong response from Brody Grundy. Like a proud footballer, I can't imagine he took too kindly to being a, a second choice ruckman to a ten-game player last week up against Nat Nui, and Nat Nui got the ten coaches' vote. So they, I think Collingwood are going to come out just as hard, and their midfield's in really good form. Um, and Geelong are going to have to respond. A little bit what I said about St Kilda. Don't give me a timid performance this week. You know, I want to see Joel Selwood at his niggling, angry competitive best that we've seen for over 300 games. I want to see Dangerfield absolutely throwing himself over every football he possibly can like we've seen this year and I don't expect anything less. You know, give me something from Gary Rowan. Like, get yourself involved. It doesn't have to be about disposals, but you know, sit someone down with a bump or a tackle or a smother and chase some. So that, that's what they can do. It's not, it's not about possessions and clearances and that. It's about their want to go after and attack the opposition because that's what it requires tonight. There is an energy around Collingwood, I think. I've, mm. I can I can picture over the past 20 years finals campaigns that have looked unlikely and how they start and then how they progress. They feel like they've got the markers of it. Like the circumstances of that first game was they were hellish underdogs, but they played so heavily for them. And just that, that one, one of four, one of four, is the whole mission is set up. This is a team that knows finals footy. They're not flukers. They did finish eighth and they would have been bitterly disappointed to be in eighth, but they know these circumstances and have performed pretty well in them over the past couple of years. I just think they're a different style of... Eighth, which traditionally, eighth versus fifth has a stunningly good record over 21 years. They've mm. won 10 times, but only one has ever gone any further. I feel like Collingwood's in that mould as they are the sort of team who can go further. I've got their lineup in front of me right now. It's a balanced lineup. I like it. I really like their defence. You know, Moore is the interceptor. Maynard's there to take on Dangerfield when he goes forward. Um, and the forward line's functioning. For the, for the first time last week, we saw them really functioning, the confidence to go to the top of the square long and deep. And if Cox doesn't mark it, they do have a lot of smalls. I mean, Hoskin Elliott it can do some damage. Elliott, we know. My check's in good form. And Dugowie, we know what he's capable of. So it's, it's a really balanced lineup. I, I'd be concerned with the Cats just on their, on their defence. You know, can you really trust Harry Taylor, Henderson? Eh, it probably forces Blixarves to play as that tall back there to support Stewart, who's a star. So, yeah, they'll challenge them in all sorts of ways. That's why it's a a fascinating one tonight. Beautifully poised. The first semi-final tonight from the Gabba, Geelong and Collingwood for the right to meet Brisbane in a preliminary final. We're going to stretch beyond the events of the here and now and the 10 teams who are out of business, the trade environment, environment which really lit up as the week went along. Essendon finds themselves, I don't think they wanted to be, but they are right at the heart of it. And all sorts of different views have been put forward as to what's happening and what it all means. We'll explore that, Sam Edmund, to lead us through the trade scenarios next on Crunch Time for Beaumont Tiles. Exclusive bathroom packages from Beaumont's foreground the lot and Identifiber specialising in asbestos, mould, air quality and environmental services. 
On the trade scene, Essendon bought themselves the, the front row seat this week with two star players walking out in the prime of their career. Sam, Edmund, just paint the picture of Essendon at the moment and just the ructions and trying to fully understand how broad the discontent might be. Let's try and sum this up, shall we? So Connor McKenna gone, Adam Saad on his way out, Joe Danaher on his way out, and Orazio Fantasia to come. And we keep hearing the list of disgruntled players, Jared, is bigger than that. Now, Essendon have been busy spinning the narrative, both publicly and privately in recent days. You know, McKenna, well, he had lifestyle issues. He was homesick and there was a bigger reason to play. Joe Danaher, well, he'd become a destructive influence inside the club. And in fact, we're happy to see the back of him now. Fantasia can go as well, perhaps to the Crows, no loss. And while Saad hurt them, guys, they have since painted him as selfish on the field and almost money-hungry off it, something the player in his camp obviously strenuously deny and, in fact, point the finger at players who remain there as the source of the problem. Ben Rutten is accountable from the gun now, isn't he? The worst honeymoon ever this will be. It's no Bora Bora, Jared. It's, it's more like Brody. He'll have no honeymoon whatsoever, and he'll walk into a club that is under the pump and perhaps with bigger issues at play. We know we hear, keep hearing about Zach Merritt for next year, Devin Smith at the moment, Jake Stringer at the moment, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, and the club paint that as, well, of course they're disgruntled, guys. They've had a shocking season. We've had a horrible time in the hub. It hasn't been the year that we wanted. Of course they're disgruntled. That's fine. But why do we keep hearing then that these guys are exploring their options, Jared? Rapid fire questions for Rapid Tune. They'll keep you moving. Rapidtune.com.au. So there's a few different ways to carve this up. I really enjoyed listening to you, Kane, yesterday with uh, the trade side of things and mm. commodities and trading up and the like. Just before we get to that, does the cultural side of things that you're hearing, just the fact that there are rumblings, concern you at the moment? Yeah, it does. It, it does. And I'm, I'm not distancing that at all. I was breaking it down yesterday into the three players that have left. And I don't think the three that are leaving them are going to hurt as much as it's been painted to be. Of, of course, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, clearly, because there's some issues. And I'm really concerned for Ben Rutten. And I was right from the start that he took over. But it's not the first club to go through a really challenging period. And if you get it right culturally, and if you get the right coach in place, now, I don't know if Ben Rutten's that guy. Right now, I would, I would have questions over that. But... You know, five years ago, we were calling Brisbane a basket case. No one could stay. No one wanted to be there. And we were all sort of laughing. And five years later, they're two games away from winning a premiership. So, And their player retention's been extraordinary. Now they're a destination club. So it can turn pretty quickly. And in terms of Danaher leaving, well, oh, as I've said all year, he's played 15 games in three years. Like, he's an inconsistent, um, inaccurate forward Sad hurts, I know that, but you you upgrade a second round pick to a top ten pick, hopefully. And Fantasia's averaged eleven games and just a goal in the last three seasons, so they're not the disaster that's been made out to be. The timeline, Kane. So to reset, that that's a two to three year project, and you rightly point mm. out for the Lions, it's five, and and it comes with that initial pain. But they do a great job by putting the right people in and then recasting the culture and the list. Is can Essendon? And they might have to. I think this is really what's happened this week is they were all in for the now and they can't win a final and that record grows on them. If you do reset in the manner and they're going to reset with a really strong hand, it does push the timeline back two to three years. Do they have the... It might be just their reality, whether they have the luxury to think that or not. 
Well, I think that's it. And, that, and that's the tough pill for the Essendon fans to swallow because when, when you do go and get Dylan Shield and all those players, Sards, one of them, Stringers, Smith, all that, you think you are right in it. But with information, things change. And with facts, things change. And, and all of a sudden, you know, Heppel hasn't been able to get on the park. Hooker's not the player that he was. Hurley's not the player that he was. And it forces you to reset. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Yes, it's the Bombers fans are impatient. But... They've waited long enough. They might have to wait another. And I think it can turn pretty quickly, like two or three years, I think, is about the right before they're really competing again. But that's their reality, and that's what they have to do. This is the question, Jared. What do they do with it? Because do they go for players that are available in a trade sense, or does Adrian Dodoro and his team take these picks to the draft? They're going to have six, seven for Saad, and another first-rounder of some kind for Joe Danaher. How do they play it? Because they've always been strong on, we want players back. When Joe Danaher was going to Sydney, we want players back. So what are they going to do here? Are they going to be tempted to go for someone like a Ben Brown? Yeah, these are big questions because with the trade hand, uh, with the draft hand they'll have, which they didn't mean to have, but it's it could be such a powerful Huge. position. Do you really trade that away, or do you go? No, this this is actually we've stumbled into it. This is the chance to get elite talent in the door. Let's do it and just cop the couple of year delay that comes with it. Hmm. Yeah, and there is a lot of uncertainty on the draft this year for all the reasons that have been stated right throughout the season. But the first round, I mean, they've got their homework done on all these guys. If you have picked six, seven and another first rounder, there shouldn't be any doubt that you're picking a player of quality and a player that you've been monitoring for some time. What's the best trade issue beyond that on your page, Sam? Oh, boy. Um, well, how Joe actually shakes down is interesting in itself. You know, whether Brisbane's deal is so incentivised, like many are saying, then that will hurt the free agency compensation that the Bombers will receive. And then do they match the deal? And we go where we've never gone before, really, to try and force a trade there for the Brisbane Lions, which we read today in the Herald Sun that they're reluctant to do. So there is a fair bit to play out when it comes to Joe Danaher. Uh, look, elsewhere, um, so many guys are unsigned. Jordan Degoe, unsigned, Darcy Moore's unsigned. Does Sean Higgins get to Geelong? And then the whispers around Jeremy Cameron. Is he staying or is he going? For what it's worth, I heard yesterday that GWS super confident, Jared. They feel in the last couple of days that talks have progressed very favourably um, from their point of view. They haven't lost any faith whatsoever, but the longer it goes, you do bite your nails for them. Just a really short answer, Kane. Is it critical for the Giants to keep Cameron? Um, yes, I think it is now. Okay. Terrific. Thanks to you both, Kane Corn, Sam Edmund. Thanks, Thanks guys. Jared. Thanks, Sam. Enjoy your Saturday. It's a great Saturday. The Caulfield Guineas commands a lot of attention. We'll be back with you later in the day to set up Geelong and Collingwood for the right to meet the Lions in a preliminary final. Crunch time was for Beaumont Tiles. Exclusive bathroom packages from Beaumont's foreground the lot and identify the special... G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Realising in asbestos, mould, air quality and environmental services.